Mi nombre es Luis Amarilla y estás escuchando la canción de los Loons. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm joined by Caleb Zander Hamilton. His name is Callum Zander Hamilton. And there's a million calls he hasn't made. But just you wait. Just you wait. What do you think? I, I have no comment at all. <laughs> All right, on the docket today, we'll be revisiting the team's scoreless draw against Royal Salt Lake and looking ahead to the upcoming game against FC Cincinnati. But first, we wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to the presenting partners for our 2020 season. Allianz, Alina Health, Bell Bank, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota, Federated Insurance, and M Health Fairview. We really want to thank those sponsors for sticking with us throughout this weird and wild season. To learn more about any of our partners, you can visit mnufc.com slash club Slash partners, Callum Williams. I went camping. Have you wow. have you have you been camping? Yes, in the UK, and it rained all day, and I spent twenty four hours in a tent. <laughs> so I decided to never go camping again. <laughs> That's my what camping. Did you experience. Camping in England, it's it's going to rain all day, of course. Yeah, and I've never been back since. I, I should really do it, actually, in, in this country. I'm just not a fan. I like the, the little luxuries that life gives you. You know, I like little things like, um, I don't know, electricity. Okay. Um, and I, I just, you know, um, haven't really got any sort of interest in, in the whole outdoorsy type thing. Although I, I would like to go on a couple of different hikes and whatnot. Uh, just not got around to, to doing it yet. So, um Maybe there'll be a little bit of camping in there at some stage. How, how was the camping experience, Steve? Where did you go? Uh, camping is great. We went to Iowa, um, which is not like necessarily the camping center of the universe, but um, we went with some friends uh, and we're meeting up with some friends uh, of theirs who were in Iowa. So we sort of met in the middle uh, at a very lovely campground, uh, Pikes Peak State Park, which is on the Mississippi River. And um, it's the third year that my family has gone camping and I'm not, uh, although I do like the outdoors, I'm not really, I've not really been doing a lot of camping in my life overall. Um, I slept outside, you know, I would sleep, I would like go to friends' houses and we'd have bonfires and sleep out by the bonfire, but that's, that's about as far as it went. Um, but every year we've sort of acquired another element of, of camping. The first year we were totally unprepared. So we had, well, we borrowed a tent, we borrowed everything. Then we bought a tent, we bought, you know, some headlamps and we bought a couple, you know, so we're sort of like gradually acquiring more elements of camping. And I got to say at this point now, three years in, having gone a couple of times, like I, I'm into it. And I hear you about the little comforts of life, but I have to say that there are certain little comforts that come with camping that you just treasure in a way that's totally different from, from your regular life. Like the fact that, you know, you get one of these little propane stoves and you can heat up water. And so to get up in the morning and heat up the water and then make coffee in, in my, in my AeroPress and just have it in my little like, you know, metal camping mug sitting in a, like a camping chair under some trees. 
it's uh it's it's beautiful it really lets you focus in on those things and uh it's it's great uh the thing that's ridiculous we still camp in tents uh there's the amount of rvs out there it's just ludicrous like you go to a campground and it's like 90 percent rvs and i mean a it's a lot of money but b i'm like i don't really get it once they get to a certain size you get a little pop-up camper okay but like you're basically carrying your living room around with you. And it seems like maybe you could just stay in your living room. Uh, my other shout out is for walking tacos. Have you ever had a walking taco? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, highly recommend this. It's excellent for camping, but also just for a lazy evening. Uh, you would make a, a batch of taco meat as one as an American would with ground beef and some sort of crappy taco seasoning. And uh, you get a, a box of chip bags like individual size chip bags like doritos and fritos are what you really want um and then you open up the chip bag and you you smash up the doritos and then you put in taco meat and like lettuce and tomato and salsa and cheese and then you just eat it out of the bag with a fork uh and it's terrific they're great and it's great for camping because then you basically just have like we have camping utensils that we wash uh but you have like a fork and then you throw the bag away uh you know at the the dump side of the camp so uh very little cleanup you just got to heat up the, uh, the 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 meat on your your fire or your stove but uh but they're just walking tacos they're super satisfying as someone who just I grew up on taco meat and it's uh it's a great thing where can one divulge in some of these tacos where can we get them I mean, you got to make them yourself. I don't think there's, oh, I mean, I right. think you could, I think you could, I'm sure some enterprising um, uh, food truck out there will give you walking tacos if you, you know, if you find the right one. But I would say it's just, you just got to do it yourself. It's just a fun little trashy thing to eat every once in a while. <laughs> I wouldn't eat it all the time, but it's, 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 it's pretty fun. Is there, what's the, do you have any uh, uh, trashy foods uh, maybe from England or, 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 or something else that you're like, oh, this is terrible and, and, and low rent, but I love it. Oh, wow. Well, uh, you know me, Steve, I'm all about fun and trashy. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm just trying to think now, probably that the only, um, the only real um, thing I can think of right now, that would be of any sort of comparison but it isn't really. Is um, is probably uh, when you order fish and chips in England, um, it usually comes in like a paper bag. Like sure. you, just, you can see the grease just sometimes just dripping out. And in terms of like the, the walking thing that you're talking about, you can actually order a cone of chips at my local chippy back in England, and it's literally just styrofoam cup, um, you know, a cone version of it, newspaper inside it. Loads of chips inside it, salt and vinegar, and whatever sauce you want. And I remember vividly. I remember um, the last time I had one of these, which was a couple of years ago now, seeing the grease just drip from the bottom of the cone. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, "This is so incredibly bad, but it's equally as good as well." Sure. You, know? you just save the grease, just put it right back into the hair, and just you know, slick Absolutely, it back. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delicious. Have you been to Anchor Fish and Chips uh, here in Minneapolis? No, I've, I've. You've told me about it. I've had several people recommend it as well. Um, you know, maybe when you know the, the world hopefully gets back to normality, I'll, I'll give it a try. But sure. I, I've not been. I've driven past it. I know where it is. I, I will get there at some stage. That'll be my my promise to myself. Once the world gets back to normality, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the Anchor. Post-COVID fish and chips. Yeah, it sounds great. All right, let's move on to soccer. Let's talk a little bit about Real Salt Lake. Uh, I think I would like to start – I'm not going to have an opening statement here. I would like to hear 
uh, what your perspective was on the game uh, from the booth, and then we can go from there. Okay. Um, I thought, obviously, it was a game that was um, overshadowed with disappointment because it was a situation where Minnesota should have really claimed all three points. Um, I think we have to give credit where credit's due to the goalkeeper for RSL. Andrew Putner had a, had a fabulous evening, probably the best evening he's, he's probably ever had in Major League Soccer. Um, Reynoso should have scored one, two, maybe even three. <laughs> um, he just didn't have his shooting boots on on that particular evening. I thought Kamara looked a little isolated. I don't think they got him involved enough. I don't think the service was as good as it has been in the previous games. Um, which is a shame because, you know, when we've seen the, the link-up play from the players behind the forward over recent games, we've all said, oh, wouldn't it be great to have a, a proper centre-forward there who could stick these chances away? And, and, and now Minnesota do, and, and it was the other end this time, you know? So um, I thought it was a shame, Steve, because it's a game like, like that. It's a game that they should really be winning. Um, and, and look, I, I, I know for a fact the coaching staff were incredibly disappointed um, that they didn't win that game because now, Steve, with, with just six games remaining, um, I said this on, on the, the broadcast the other day, and again, anyone and yourself, please correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, but it does feel like um, it feels like an NFL season because of the length of the season. We know now we have the clarity in terms of you know, how long we've got and how many games we've got. And because there's so few, it feels like every game is really important, mm -hmm. um, and particularly the home games. You have to win your home games. So um, what I'll say uh, about it, Steve, is that uh, it was a game that was full of positives because Minnesota were creating so many chances and testing RSL consistently. Um, but I get the feeling if they'd have played another 90 minutes, they probably wouldn't have scored. It's just one of those evenings where it just seems to be this this force field around the goal. You know, it, it happens every so often in this game, you know, where it just doesn't bounce your way. Um, and, you know, it, it's just one of them, Steve. So I, I left the stadium um, feeling as though it was a missed opportunity for sure. Um, we spoke to Jan Gregush on our post-game show and he essentially said the same as well, is that we, we did everything right. It was just in the final third where we weren't good enough. Um, and, and I have to say I agree with that. I, I thought it was uh, an evening that was that was overshadowed by you know what if, and Minnesota can't afford to have too many of those evenings, particularly at Allianz Field. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things that any team can have a night like that. It it, it feels acute for Minnesota United because I feel like that that everything looked good except the final third or just finishing the chances that were created. It's something that comes up a lot, um, and it's one of those things that is supposed to be solved eventually in a lot of ways by Reynoso and by people being healthy. And then this season, you know, specifically by Kai Kamara coming in. Um, but you can't really, you can't get Kamara to score if you can't get the ball in his head. And it's one of those, like you were saying about the service that normally we've seen games like against uh, the Philadelphia one from last year comes to mind where there's so many, so many crosses going into the box and then just nobody there to, to put it in. This was like, well, you've got the guy, but the, the, the crosses aren't, aren't, aren't coming. Um, and some of that comes down to, to health and who's playing where and all that stuff like that. You also have to, like you said, you have to give, you have to take off your hat to, to Putna, who's, you know, doesn't have a ton of MLS experience, you know, played and was playing in the USL. 
obviously having the game of his life, stopping a bunch of shots. Not all. I mean, the, that first Reynoso shot, it's with his right foot. It's not his best foot. It was a little, it was a little weak. But that second shot was uh, that was uh, that was a great save. And then the save on the free kick, we can get around to that. That free kick also, man. Let's talk about tantalizing for for the future. Um, and I think that what you're saying about um, every game being so important, it's sort of like the NFL, Cal, is also super true. The, the, sense, of, the sense right now is like, well, you got, are we going to move up the table? Is Minnesota United going to get up into that home playoff territory, which has got to be the place you hope to be after playing so much of the season on the road. If you can play games at home, you got to like those chances. Uh, it gets a lot worse if you have to go on the road. So are, are you, is Minnesota United going to be able to get from six up to that upper echelon of the top four slots basically at this point? And to do that, you're going to need to start winning games at home and getting points on the road when possible. So I think that my overall feeling was, you know, once the game was actually over and I sort of was reading through uh, Adrian's post game as I was sort of pulling quotes for the, 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 the recap, um, I thought that what, and you echoed this as well, I thought that what Adrian had to say, which was that if, you know, if they generally played like they play in the second half, they'll win games, you know, and that's, that's, that's true. Yeah. Not really easy to hear at the moment because it was just, it was a very frustrating game to watch. Um, you know, you just felt like, RSL really didn't have anything going. Um, you know, in the first half, Minnesota United had a lot of possession, but not a lot of creativity. RSL didn't have much in the second half when Minnesota United, United got more aggressive and more creative. RSL found some some seams on the counter and things like that. Yes. They just didn't, it didn't feel like RSL was ever really going to score. And it just felt like Minnesota United was on the precipice of scoring constantly, um, in this, especially in the second half. And it was just you know, it was one of those games you find yourself sitting there internally going, come on, come, like just anything, just anything. And that's, um, it's, it's tough to come away from knowing that, that all those results are so important, as you said, Cal. Yeah. It, do you know what, Steve? I, I was obviously um, doing the commentary and whatnot, and, and it didn't for a second in my mind, um, it, 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 my mind didn't even contemplate that Minnesota wouldn't win the game because it was, they were just so, obviously dominant um and i thought to myself right well obviously the goalkeeper's having a good night but at some stage they'll they'll find a way through mm -hmm. and I, I couldn't believe it that they didn't i couldn't believe when the final whistle went i thought how on earth have they not won that game um so yeah look it, it, it's just one of those evenings as i said they could still be playing now Stephen wouldn't score you know <laughs> it's, it's best for, for that sort of game just get off the field push that to one side get over it just you know figure stuff out later on just get off the field now because you, you ain't going to score tonight. You're just not. Um, and, uh, you know, but like um, I think you said, Adrian had, had said something similar, Steve, but I, I, I completely agree in the sense that if Minnesota play like they did um, against RSL, if they play like that against FC Cincinnati, it shouldn't be any problem. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that, I mean, it, it was not just... You know, they, we talked about Reynoso's shots, that his, his two shots, one of those should have gone in early and then that free kick uh, again. And then to add on, like, that scramble that Kamara was involved in in front of the – right around the six-yard box, which was in the 68th minute where it's like, you know, the defender fell in and squirted it out from under him. And you're like, how do you – you know, you're the, I mean, not, I'm not blaming – Kai here, but one of those things that like you're the fifth leading goal scorer in MLS. Like, how do we not? How does that not end up in the back of the net? Asani should have had a banger, you know that 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 missed by, you know it was it was off sideways, but it was I think it was wide left. But you know, um, Debassy 
had a header that hit the post. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was, it's crazy. Cause you think I, I sort of forgot. Cause I was like, yeah, they had a lot of opportunities. And then I watched the highlights and I was like, man, they really, they really the did. Much, and then really, man, like a ton of opportunities. Um, and that's just, it's just, it's just tough. <laughs> it's just, it's just one of the cruel parts of, of our sport here, Steve, is that you can completely dominate and, and, and not win, you know, it's just one of them. So, and look, uh, at one stage as well, when it got to the end of the game, because as you mentioned, you know, RSL looked decent on the counter as well. I did think to myself, oh, I, I can see them stealing this right at the end. I could see them breaking away, you know. And, uh, fortunately, from a Minnesota point of view, they didn't. But um, I, I could see Minnesota being caught out um, in the future if, if they are pushing as, as aggressively as they were in, in that particular game, which is to be expected. They're trying to force the issue, trying to win the game late on, but, but it, it can lead to to being exposed for sure. But look, so, so ultimately, um, I, I don't have too many concerns, to be honest, Steve. It's just one of those games where yeah. um, it, the ball just wouldn't go in. And it's not like they weren't creating the chances. Um, if Reynoso has his shooting boots on, if, if Putner has a, uh, an average game at best, um, Minnesota win the game 2 or 3 nil. So it, it's not really a massive concern of mine. Uh, but what I will say now is it does put, I, I think, First of all, it puts it puts humongous emphasis on this game against FC Cincinnati now, um, going back to the previous point about having to win the home games. But also now, Steve, I was thinking about this as I've been sort of starting my prep and everything today. Um, I don't remember um, I don't remember ever thinking going into a game or at least building up to a game. And I say this with all due respect to FC Cincinnati, who have been poor, let's be honest. Um, I don't ever remember the expectation being as big as this right now, because yeah. everybody, everybody that I have seen, whether it's on social media or everyone I've spoken to, um, whether it's in person or on the phone or whatever, everybody is expecting not only a victory on Saturday, but a fairly comprehensive one as well, Steve. And I don't think that's too much to ask as well, um, given the manner of the opponent and, and what a torrid season they continue to have. I don't think it's out of the question. And I'm not trying to put any pressure on anybody by saying that, but I, I think the expectation is right. I, I think it's, it's there for a reason. Um, and I, I, I was rattling my brain that I couldn't ever think, I don't remember ever having this sort of expectation before. So it is a good thing that obviously the, the club is growing in stature and now expectations are set. Mm-hmm. But I don't ever remember thinking... And, and expecting as much as I do leading into this game on Saturday. Yeah, I think that the pressure. Well, we'll, we'll there's a couple other things I want to touch on in Ralph Salt Lake. We'll oh, come yeah. around to FC Cincinnati, but like the, um, I'll say that I think that pressure can be a good thing in in a situation like this, and to say like you need to live up to this, and it's also hitting that point to circle back to that importance thing that you know, we've talked about before. Once you're at the end of a season, you can sort of look back and you say like, well, this was the point where it either fell short or, you know, like, it, I, you know, sometimes it doesn't really happen. Last season, I think it was like the season ended for the team when it ended, but when they lost in the playoffs to, to the Galaxy at home. Um, up to that point, you know, it was sort of a rising action to that moment. Uh, we talked about the year before saying that that failure to take those points from Seattle at home when Seattle came from behind at the very last minute sort of crushed the team. The, I think this little stretch here, this back-to-back, with a with a tie with a draw against Real Salt Lake, which was not great. Um, if that is followed by a, win, a a resounding win against Cincinnati, you go okay. 
Minnesota United is in this thing. If they can't get a result, you know, if you get a draw against Cincinnati, this might be like the flagging of the energy here for the season. You know, like you might just end up not having everything you need to get to push for those, that, that spot. I mean, I'm not saying that they necessarily fall to the playoffs and I'm not saying that if, even if they make the playoffs in the bottom half of the seating, that they couldn't do something. They certainly could. It depends a lot on who's healthy and, and who they get back. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, but it is one of those moments where it's like, it's sort of like, it's kind of put up or shut up time. You beat FC Cincinnati seven, one last season, you know, at home. Uh, I think, I think we're still expecting that. We'll get there. One thing, a couple other things, a couple notes for Real Salt Lake. I don't want to lose sight of the fact that holding a clean sheet at home is big. Uh, that is excellent. And the defense should be applauded for that work. I think that, um, although I think that in some ways it's felt like both Roman Metinier and Chase Gasper have not been as effective offensively as, as we've seen them be in the past recently. They've been very good defensively and Michael Boxall continues to be a really tremendous center back uh, for this team. So I always wanted to make sure we gave a shout out to the defense guy. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would actually argue, Steve, I think Michael Boxall is probably one of the most underrated centre defenders in, in the league. That's he gets nowhere near the attention he deserves. Yeah. He, he's been a colossus for Minnesota since coming in. He really has. He's only was one little bad spell when I, when I remember he was out of the team for a, a week or two, but then was still training and, and being a professional and, and training to the standards that he holds himself to. Um, he, he's a phenomenal footballer he's he's wonderful and um again we're very lucky to have him you know um and and it seems as though steve as well uh, as though he's he's put together at least the early signs are suggesting this anyway that, that it seems to be a decent partnership between him and Dibassi. they seem to understand each other mm-hmm. um but he may want to start working on his french maybe with him being in between Dibassi and, and metanier but we'll see yes um what here's a question for you what is the final pokemon evolution of emmanuel reynoso's hair we've seen it go from it was black when he arrives and then it was sort of like that like gray sheen that miguel abara had at one point um it it sort of seems favored among some latin american players and then it was sort of all blonde on the top and then now it's blonde all over the place like where where are we going david bowie is gonna have like a lightning bolt down his face later on or like what what do you think is the final evolution of emmanuel reynoso's hair um that he shaves it all off he shaves off. does he stop <laughs> when he scores a goal like when he scores his first goal he's like wherever he is with his hair that's what it's like a like a russian roulette kind of thing like you just keep you trying what's gonna happen is he's just gonna just sit down he's gonna emerge himself he's gonna submerge himself um into a group of players but we're all going to have scissors and all the players are just going to surround him in a circle and just start clipping away. There we go. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it sounds good. All right, let's, let's transition into uh, FC Cincinnati a little bit. Uh, also just some general team perspective stuff. I think that the, um, I think this came up, it came up in a, uh, an article on, on MLS soccer.com. Uh, uh, the MLS.com. Uh, I can't remember. I don't remember who was writing it, but their assessment, they're sort of, it was one of these one thing for each team from last week saying that the, the loons record, which is now five wins, five losses, four draws um, is, is sort of pretty fair about where the team is, you know, over the course of the whole season that, you know, could sort of go any way on a given night. Um, and that's the, to me, it's like without without Ike Opara and Ozzy Alonso right now, which is the way they played. They played without Ike for almost the whole season, without Ozzy for for the, the last little bit here. The the ceiling for the team is just considerably lower to me. Um, it's it's uh, mid table 
um, you know, possibly getting a little bit higher than that. With them, it's obviously sort of an entirely different story. If you can get those guys back, I think then that changes what the potential is for the team um, going forward. I don't, and I think that part of that is that although the team is going to get more, the team should expect to get more gradually out of Reynoso and Camaro and Debasi. Like those are the guys there. They're still, you know, new. Camaro's only had two games, um, you know, that will get better. But I think that as we've seen, like the depth is good. The, 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 the caliber of the players you've got to come in are good, but I just don't think that there's, you know, I see, you know, Twitter armchair quarterbacks talking about playing this guy or playing that guy or moving this guy or moving this guy. I just kind of think we've seen a lot of different looks and it's like, I don't think you're going to dramatically change the fortunes of the team by just moving a couple of players around on the pitch, you know, to me, it's like, you've got, you've got good players, you're missing a couple of your best players. And that's kind of where the team is at this moment. Yeah. Um, you, you won't find an argument from, from me there, Steve. I, I wouldn't say, I, I still think in, in my opinion, um, this team can be a top three team in the Western conference. I still think they could finish in the top three as well. Um, especially given with, with what is, let's be honest, a, a favorable schedule for Minnesota now and it's about time because sure. the schedule has been um, it's not exactly been advantageous for the Loons has it you know with all right. the road games and everything you know it's nice to have some home games and um, it's nice to, to have some some opponents you would assume Minnesota would get the better of as well so um, yeah I, I think um, it's it's such a first of all it's tough to judge because of the anomaly that is 2020 and the season that we've had. I mean, what right. what quantifies as a, a good season? You know, if you if you don't win an LS Cup, you know what what quantifies as a good season? Playoffs? Okay, fine. I, I think everybody will have that mentality though, especially with the the extra teams given the opportunity for the playoffs as well. Missing the playoffs this year is inexcusable, in my opinion. Right, um, I would agree. And and I don't think Minnesota will. I, I have, um, you know. Uh, made sure um, there's some other engagements um, that, um, that that could come up in November and whatnot. And I've made sure, I've said, no, let's, we've, we've got to stay in Minnesota in November because I, I think that Minnesota are going to be in the playoffs and I think they could. I mean, look, <laughs> I don't know if they could right now because of the, we don't know who they'll, they'll play or anything. Mm. But um, if you go into the playoffs with momentum, you, you've always got a chance. So, yeah. Um, Look, I, I think that they are, um, when they are at their strongest and healthiest, I think they're a top three team in the Western Conference. Um, they just now need to start backing that up with with some results. It's been a bit of a bit of a blip. It's been um, a situation where they're, they're not in the best of form, but that's okay. Uh, everyone goes through it um, at some stage in the season. Um They've been unfortunate, I think, in certain areas. Uh, not to not to win in Houston um, was unfortunate when they were leading two 0 But um, again, there's there's several several individuals that will will want to push that evening aside. Um, but look for me, Steve, that they are that they're a top three team when they're when they're healthy. But the problem is, is that they haven't had the majority of the spine there for for the most part of this season. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how, how fair it is to, to judge really at the moment. It's, it's very difficult with, with just about everything that's happening at the moment. Yeah, I think that, man, you know, like you said, it's just so hard to say, like between the schedule and obviously the schedule has been difficult. Um, I think Minnesota's, you know, it's, I've wondered about strength of schedule because it's the thing that people keep track of. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't checked in. I don't know how anybody judges strength of schedule because the teams seem to keep playing the same three teams over and over again. So how do you, the Canadian teams have only played Canadian teams in that first phase. It's just like, 
you know, who knows how to judge what the strength of schedule is for any individual team because they're just not all playing each other. It's felt like Minnesota's had some tough goes. I think that this is – I'm, I'm editing the preview right now, and I think one of the, the things uh, our good friend TJ Galenshin uh, dredged up was that this will be the, the, the first time Minnesota has played a team not in the playoff picture since playing Houston way back when Houston was out of the playoff picture. So it's been it's – been, we've been playing other playoff teams. We haven't gotten a lot of – of uh of favorable matchups and then those matchups and then not playing at home is also difficult um i think that to my mind if if they can't if we're looking at more or less this level of health for the rest of the season collectively sort of with what we've dealt with if we've got a the the schedule is a little more favorable and improvements from reynoso kamara and dibasi again not improvements like they've been inadequate but they'll get better i think they're a top three team in the west but probably not number one or number two is kind of where I'm – and maybe maybe two. I think, like, it's going to be hard for them to see them as a number one, like a top team in the West. But I can see a top three team. T- top three, four, I think, certainly is, is doable. Um, let's turn a little more specifically to Cincinnati, Cal. Um, they – Cincinnati, again, was defeated 7-1 last year by Minnesota United in a game that was a lot a lot of fun. If any, anybody was watching and had a good time at that game who was a Minnesota United fan, I can tell you that much. Um, they have not gotten markedly better since that point like they averaged 0.71 points per game last year they're at 0.93 right now uh they're one of they're the uh only team with fewer than 10 goals on the season they've just not scored the rod and Jurgen Lokadia and and yaya uh, kubo who have three goals between them um which is not a tr- tremendous for your, your designated players they do have seven clean sheets i will say though so you know the defense is they've, they've got they've got some elements there um Give me your perspective on on Cincinnati. I have not actually seen Cincinnati play this season, I think, just because it's, you know, the amount of games we've been playing, all I've had time for is Minnesota United games, basically, and the occasional odd game. And usually them being on the Eastern, in the, in the East and sort of Eastern Conference stuff, their games are usually over. Like, I will watch the next game after a Minnesota United game, but that's a West Coast game usually. Right. So. Um, so I have not seen a lot of Cincinnati. What's uh, you've? I'm sure you're into your prep by this point. So what is your uh, what is your take then? Yeah, I've actually I am 63 minutes into their last game against New York City at the moment, um, and uh, have seen a handful of their games over the, the course of the last month or so, and um, the results are telling. Um, they had, what was it, was it three nil-nils in a row at one stage, mm-hmm. which suggests, yes, they have gotten a lot better defensively um, because they were absolutely putrid last year from a defensive point of view. Um, but they still have a really big issue, and that is scoring goals. In the last nine games, Steve, two goals. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a big issue for them. Um, and as you said, it's not like they've, they've not spent money either. Um, I think Kubo, Kubo probably hasn't worked out let's remove the probably, he hasn't worked out um, to the level that they would have wanted him to. Uh, Jürgen Locardi is an interesting one, Steve, because he um, he's, he's very, very, uh, very quick player. He's a good player. I, I actually had the pleasure of calling one of his one of his earlier games when he was with uh, PSV Eindhoven. Um, I was doing a, a, an Eredivisie game, and uh, I can't remember who PSV were, were playing, um, but he came um, into the game. He was, uh, oh, sorry, no, he started the game from what I can remember. Um, and it was just when he was just starting to become a first-team regular. This was five years ago, maybe six years ago now. Um, 
and uh, he, he was really good. I, I was a, a big fan, still am a big fan of him, and, and there's a reason why Brighton and Hove Albion paid, what was it, $19 million for him. So, you know, he's, he's a very good player. But um, for PSV and for Brighton and Hove Albion, he's been playing in, in the wide areas. Um, most of the time at PSV in particular, they played a 4-3-3. Brighton played a 4-2-3-1 and, and, he, and he played out wide, usually on the left-hand side. He's one of these wingers where he's, he's a right-footed left winger. He likes to cut in a lot, you know. Um, but he's perfectly capable on his, on his left foot as well. But he, his preference is to cut in on that right-hand side mm-hmm. uh, or, or inside, rather, with that right foot. But he's not been playing out wide for um, Cincinnati. He's been, he's been used as a centre-forward, which I, um, I understand why, because he's got bags of pace and he can clearly score goals. But I think he's probably best suited as a winger. Um, but when you look at their goal-scoring record, you can probably see why he's starting up front because they, they don't really have an actual menacing threat up front that's, that's at least from a, a consistency point of view, that's proven anything in this league at the moment. So I would expect, Steve, from Cincinnati, that they went with a... With a it was almost like a 5-3-2 or 5-3-1-1 uh, against um, New York City FC. Um, clearly, they they expected uh, NYCFC to push from the start, and they did. They scored inside 38 seconds, I believe. Um, I think they'll be expecting something similar from Minnesota, who, as we've just said, um, I think the expectation is there to win. And I think it's important Cincinnati uh, understands uh, their own identity. And I think it's important for them that that they are comfortable with that. And, And I think the fact that Yapstam, the manager, went with that system for New York City FC suggests to me that they'll probably do the same against Minnesota United because they will be expecting an onslaught. Minnesota want to go and win all their home games now. And, and as we said earlier on, that they'll be expected to do so uh, comprehensively as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if, the, if they went with a, a 5-4-1 or a, a 5-3-1-1 of some sort, you know, with, with the wing-backs providing um, the, the main width. Um, you know, and, and and they go direct and they look to play the ball over the top for someone like Lucardia, who, again, I would assume would start up front. Um, and, um, you know, uh, Brandon Vasquez gives them an, op- uh, an option to, to go direct if they want to as well. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if if um, if they went with, a, as I said, a 5-3-2 or 5, uh, 5-3-1-1 or something like that. You know what I mean? It wouldn't surprise me at all. I think they're going to come in. Uh, expect an onslaught, try and hit Minnesota on the break with the pace of Locardia, uh, get the ball out wide as much as they can. Um, and I think they're going to... I can sense... I know this probably isn't what people want to hear, Steve, but but I can sense another frustrating evening for Minnesota in the sense that I can I can see Cincinnati coming in and, and closing up shop and being as defensively minded as possible. And, and as I say, um, hit on the break and go direct and, and try and get something from the game. Yeah, the, uh, the the formation question, I mean, obviously, again, I, I, I go sort of two ways about formation discussions because I find it interesting. I also recognize that it's sort of our understanding of it is inadequate compared to how it usually plays out fluidly on 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 the pitch and that people often put too much importance on the formation a team comes out in and that, you know, different different teams can play the same formation completely differently. Uh, but I, their last, you know, at least according to MLS match center, the last few games have been a three, four, one, two is what they have it listed as, which I think, 
I mean, it, fundamentally, it's probably not all that different from a three-five-two um, or or a five-three-two. Like, again, that you've got wing backs and everything like that. Maybe a little thicker in the midfield. They were playing. They played Kubo at sort of a a second striker a little bit. So he's that that one under the two. Um, but you know, I, like you said, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Minnesota has to be prepared for them to come out with like a five-four-one or something that is just so defensive, and they're going to drop again and again and again. And I think that. Um, you know, if they play the way they did in the first half against Real Salt Lake, they're going to struggle because Minnesota United has shown an ability to hit on the break and and break possession when they have less of the ball. When they have more of the ball, again, that finishing hasn't been there. If they play like the second half, um, where it was sort of similar, but they did they did get more creative and you saw more different looks and different ways to attack that, then I think they could be um, much more dangerous. But I do think that... I mean, I would love to see a, a many, many goals uh, from Minnesota United, obviously, but I think we should understand that it, it, it could be two goals. <laughs> and that, as long as that's enough to win, then that's, that's really the important thing there, Cal. Yeah, I'm just interested to see what they do, Steve. I wonder because Andrew Gutman came off uh, in the second half, who's been their regular left back. He's on loan from Celtic in the, in the Scottish Premier League, and um, he came off with a little bit of a hamstring injury. So I, I wonder if he'll be unavailable, which would... Um, at least I would assume that that would mean an opportunity for Greg Garza to come back in, who I was told was on the trading block a couple of weeks ago. So, um, you know, it's it, it just it just seems like it's a real mishmash of, of confusion um, at the moment. And and look, Yamstam at the moment as well. We have to remember the majority of these players aren't his players. He's come into a situation which has not been great. Um, and I, I, I hope the the powers that be at Cincinnati give him the time he needs to. Um, to get things right, um, because like I said, it's it, it just at the moment there seems to be a lot of issues um, with Cincinnati. But um, the question is, can Minnesota take advantage of those issues because they need to? And uh, as we've alluded to several times, Steve, they they certainly need to do it at home. Yeah, I think um, a, a big question for Minnesota we sort of alluded to earlier is that you know, are, are is anybody going to come back uh, from injury? Are we going to get any extra players um, back? We heard that you know. Last week, I think Adrian said Ozzy was maybe a little bit closer to returning. If you can get Ozzy back in the midfield, that that changes dramatically the tenor of of the game. As we've seen uh, in the game he came out of, it, it teams play through the middle with a lot more um, impetuousness when Ozzy is not there to sort of backstop everything. Uh, getting Molino back would be great. You know, um, he was he was held back when on the last game on the road. And then I guess had a tweak something, a little something the day of the game, basically. So hopefully he's back in there as well, because getting him on the left uh, would be, would be amazing. He's been great tucking in. And again, I think that Lud, as we saw, is just a completely different player on the right side than on the left side, no matter what he says about as a good soldier of playing wherever he wants, he's just so much better on the right, basically. So that would be, that would be huge. It would be Steve. I, I think Minnesota really missed Molino against RSL. So um, I, I think uh, he's hoping that some of these players that have been injured can come back. Minnesota can go back to familiarity and go back to the four-two-three-one, which which is no debate about it. Is their best formation. That's where they tend to play the best football. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, let, let's assume Molino's back. If someone like Ozzy Alonso is good to go. If you know, I know Ethan Finlay's probably uh, a ways away yet. I mean, who knows? We'll wait and see. Um, yeah. But look, as I said, Steve, um, I think then if that's the case, it, it it puts emphasis again on the expectation that Minnesota have 
an arsenal of a roster com- compared to what they have done in previous years. And, and there's the reason why the expectation is there. Go and win the game and go and win it comfortably. Yeah. Last thing I want to say, Cal, I'm going to give a shout out to Harris Medunian, who uh, scored in Olympico a little while ago, which is always fun. And I've always liked him, even though he scored a goal against Minnesota United that I disliked um, because it was against Minnesota United. But, you know, Holy Midfielders Appreciation Society, Harris Medunian. <laughs> I, li- I like that guy. I like his game. <laughs> and the, the goal he scored against Minnesota as well for Philadelphia, he was a part of the team, the first team to ever win at Allianz Field. That's right. Uh, remember the free kick? It was a fantastic free kick, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, it, was, it was gross. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Let's hope he doesn't do that on Saturday. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for joining us for the 115th Sound of Balloons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Saturday, October 3rd at 7 p.m. as the Loons face off against FC Cincinnati here at Allianz Field. You can watch that on Fox Sports North and listen on Score North. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entrius. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are.